as we open up your word and learn from you. God, I just pray that uh, you would reveal yourself to us, God, and that we'd be open, Lord, to the things that you want uh, to do in our lives, Lord, and to push us, God, uh, just to draw closer to you and be more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. It's good to be with you all tonight. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter 1 at the beginning and then Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be all throughout. And uh, I want to just say thank you guys for making it here on a Sunday night. Um, I believe that God has a word for us tonight. Um, I, I enjoy... Um, being here and preaching and uh, being with you guys as we as we come and worship. Uh, in fact, I'm very happy about it, and I'm, I'm that excited about it. Like, if I, if I could do that right now, I would. And I just want to tell you a little bit about this, this picture. This was a wonderful, um, wonderful day for me. Uh, on this day, uh, the night before this, I get to go. I got to go paintballing with all my friends, and I was able to participate in that. And we got to celebrate that with me. And then the night before, we had dinner, and uh, we celebrated something with me. And then uh, these clothes that I'm wearing are actually a gift, and the gift were they were for me. And uh, it was a it was a wonderful day. And I'll, I'll come back to this, but just look at me for a little bit. Wow. I got some ups. And Bethany, you are, you are one lucky gal. Wow. That's, that's okay. So um, we love to take pictures of ourselves, right? Because it reminds us, or pictures of others, and we like to have pictures because it reminds us of things in the past, and uh, they remind us of things that have gone on in our lives. And in the Old Testament, they would do things to remind them of things that happened in their lifetime. They would pile up a, a thing of rocks, and people would pass by, and they'd say, what were these rocks for? Well, this is when God did such and such. Um, they would have the Passover meal. Uh, we're going to celebrate that here soon um, during Holy Week. We're going to come together and do the Passover meal uh, to remember what Christ did, in, I mean, what God did in the Exodus, and then to remember what Christ has done for us. And so they take out over the Passover meal, and the Passover meal reminded them what God had done for them in Egypt. So when they would take this meal, they would go back and remember. And the story of Exodus has a long backstory. So we'll go to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? He created it very good. Okay, okay. In the beginning, God created the earth, and it was good, right? And then he made male and female, and they were very good. Okay, we're very enthusiastic. But then what happened in chapter 3, it was the fall. That's right. And so now that God has created something that is very good, he created us to be in relationship with him. Sin has separated us, and we're in chapter 3 now, and there's a great fall. And chapter 3 through chapter 11 in Genesis Man just spirals down, 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 down. And we were talking about this in Sunday school today. Uh, what did they build um, in chapter 11? Garrett, I know you're, yes, Garrett, I see that hand. What was it? 
the Tower of Babel. And so all men come together. They create this tower because they want to show that they are God. What does God do? He separates them out, gives them all different languages. And so now man was created good, separated from God because of sin, spiraled down, 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 down. God separates them all. And then we have a lost world. So God decides, how am I going to bring myself back to these people? How am I going to make myself known? So he chooses the man named Abram. And he says that you are going to be a blessing to the nations. And it is by you that I will bless the nations. And so he chose Abraham and his offspring to be a blessing that they were going to show others who God is. And so they were God's chosen people. It wasn't that God loved them, you know, way more than everybody else. He loved the world so much, but he decided to use them as their instrument, as his instrument to show the world who God is. And so then Abraham had who? Abraham had Isaac, that's right. Isaac was a miracle baby, right? Because that lady was old. Shouldn't have had a baby. Had a baby. Miracle child. And so Isaac then had who? Two sons? Jacob and Esau. Very good. Esau was the older one. Jacob was the younger one. But who got the blessing? Jacob. All right. Some of you are like, I don't know anything about the Bible and this is no fun. Uh, I feel very silly right now. Don't feel silly. We're glad you're here. You're learning lots. I'm just going through the Old Testament very fast. So they had Jacob and Esau. So Jacob ends up stealing the blessing from Esau. Jacob then has how many sons? Twelve, yes. Not fifty. I don't know even what you could say. That was that was Twelve. Twelve sons. And from the twelve sons, that's how we have the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay? Are we all on pace here? We all see where we're going. Very good. One of those sons was sold into Egypt. Who was that? They didn't like him. He was the eleventh son. Joseph. Yes, they didn't like him. He had a nice little robe. Father loved him more than anybody else. So they're like, let's get rid of him. So they send him off to Egypt. And it was through that that God was able to save uh, the people there. God had sent Joseph there uh, through the work of his mean, mean brothers. And there was a great famine over the earth. And because of what God had previously done through Joseph, Joseph was able um, to save everybody because he was given, uh, Pharaoh was given a dream. Joseph knew how to interpret the dream. And they saved up all this food um, for the, the seven years of famine. Well, they had the seven years of plenty, and sure enough, the seven years of famine come. And so the first year, the famine's there, people are hungry, and so what do they do? Well, Pharaoh will give you our money. So they get their money, he gives them grain, hey, they make it through. Well, the next year, they're like, well, we don't have any more money, so we'll give you our livestock. Okay, we'll take your livestock, here's your food. So they make it through the year. Yay! Well, sure enough, another year comes by. Well, you have all of our money, and you have all of our livestock. What are we going to give you now? Oh, we'll just, you know, give you our land. Okay, so they give them the land. Let's go through another year. Yay, we're eating. That's good. We're still alive. 
Well, there comes another year. Okay, will you have all of our food, all of our money, all of our land? What will we give? Oh, we'll give you ourselves. We'll be your slaves. Hey, that'll be great. So then another year goes by, and so on and so forth. Well, we're almost to Exodus now. We've just gone through Genesis fast forward, okay? So this is kind of where we pick up. We're in Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Years and years and years have gone by. Now the Israelite people are in slavery um, to Pharaoh and Egypt. Now Joseph and all of his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. That's what happens when you have 12 tribes, right? You just multiply. Lots and lots of people. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to the people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal with them shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built uh, Pethom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick, mortar, and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. Then we'll skip down to verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people. Every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So when we look at the Israelites, they were in great bondage in more than one way, right? They were subject to suspicion. The Israelites were not from there, right? They had came from the land of Canaan. They come in there because of uh, Joseph. Joseph brought his family to Egypt, and now they're there and they're multiplying. And Pharaoh gets a little suspicious of them. If they keep multiplying like they do, they're going to take over, and they're going to take over us and You know, take over Egypt, and we don't want that to happen, so let's work them ruthlessly. So they were suspicious of them, so Pharaoh treated them poorly. The Israelites were being exploited for cheap labor. They were forced to work every day in hard conditions, and it said that they put um, slave masters over them, so they would whip them and beat them into submission, so that they would do the work. The Israelites had no voice in the matter. They were under the rule of Pharaoh. What Pharaoh said is what happened. And so they had no voice to change things. And then they had no freedom to worship God. If you go on into this story, uh, they ask, well, can we go out into the desert and worship God? He tells them no. So they have all these different freedoms that are taken away from them. And then on top of that, at the end of uh, chapter 1 of Exodus, what do they do? They kill their children. They're not even allowed to have children. They kill the baby boys. The Israelites were living in a place where they were being used to a cheap, as a cheap uh, means to an end. They had no voice or ability to change their circumstances due to the oppression. 
They were kept from worshiping God the way that God had required them to do so. And they lived in a place that saw children as an inconvenience. If they keep multiplying, they're going to outnumber us. And so they killed them. And do these, uh, these circumstances sound familiar? This is kind of the time that we live as well. It's the same every generation. Things like this are going on. People are being killed for their faith. Maybe not here in the States, but throughout the world, there are places where people are being killed for this slave, our faith. Slavery is at an all-time high. One of the biggest arenas for this is sex trafficking, where young men, women and little girls are sold for the sole purpose of um, having sexual relations with whoever pays the highest. Babies are being killed not because they're going to grow up and take over the government, but just for inconvenience. They're an inconvenience. Immigrants are being taken advantage due to their circumstances, so they're used for cheap labor. Exodus 1 is not far from where we are today. And so the question is, well, what, what do we do with this? But a better question would be, well, what did God do with this? What's this, what did God do in this situation? And so we skip over to Exodus chapter 3, verses uh, 7 through 14. And it says, Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of the people in Egypt. i read that again. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. The Lord isn't just going around... And, not knowing what's going on. He sees. He sees the situation at hand. It's not something that he's not aware about. He understands. Sometimes we think, well, does God really know? Yes, he sees. He might not be working in your timetable that you think he is, but the Lord knows. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and they say to them, the God of your fathers have sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so what do we learn about God in this passage? One thing that we see is that God has concern for his people. It says that he saw the oppression and he heard the cry of the Israelites. Like I said earlier, it's not that he didn't know what was going on. He heard and he saw. And he didn't just say, well, that's what's going on. What else is going on in the world? He had concern. How much concern did he have? He chose Moses to do something about it. 
And we also see this concern for God in our world with our sin and with the brokenness of this world. This isn't the first time that God has moved, and it wasn't the last time that God has moved, where he sees what's going on, and what did he do? He sent his son Jesus into this broken world. God sees our situation, and he moves into it. God hears the cry of his people. We pray on Tuesdays, we pray on Sunday mornings, we pray on Wednesdays. And sometimes I think we can pray so much that we're like, well, does God actually hear us? Does he actually care about our concerns? Or am I just wasting my time? God hears your prayers. And while we may not always get our desired answer, I know that God listens because it says here that he heard and he had concern for his people. And then we learn that how does God actually show his concern? What did he do? He sent Moses. And some of us are like, well, why doesn't God do something? Well, he created you, didn't he? Maybe God is giving you the eyes to see something that really bothers you because he wants you to work into that situation. Maybe it bothers you because God has so much designed you to be the person who speaks about that thing, to intercede for that person. God has compassion on the world, but he also wants us to participate in his kingdom. And so that means that every single one of us who calls ourselves a Christian are full of the Holy Spirit and that God can work in every single one of our lives to go into these situations where we're like, hey, there's slavery in Egypt. Moses knew that. God, what are you going to do about it? Well, I created you, Moses. You're going to take care of that. What? Yes. And some of you are like looking in this world and you're like, wow, there's all these problems. And God's like, hey, I made you, didn't I? How about you go over to your neighbor and talk to him? How about you go over to that kid who's nobody's sitting by and talk to him? What if you were the one to bring redemption to your family by being the first one to say, hey, I'm sorry, or hey, I forgive you? We learn that God sends people. And finally, from this scripture, we see that God is with his people. Moses said that he was terrified, and rightly so. He's going up against the one of the greatest kingdoms of that time, probably the greatest kingdom of that time, that would be a little nerve-wracking. And God says, I will be with you. And the story goes on, and most of us know the story of Moses and Pharaoh. And uh, Moses tells Pharaoh that God said to let his people go, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. So much that he took ten plagues for him to realize that God was being serious. He sent plague after plague after plague after plague. And after the tenth plague, Pharaoh kicked the Israelites out. He's like, I don't want them here anymore. Get them out of here. And the Egyptians actually were giving them their stuff. Here, take this and leave. We don't want you anymore. Get out. And then they get to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's like, well, I can't just let them go. And so he chased after them, and his pride got in the way once again. They cross the Red Sea. God splits it for the Israelites. They go through, and then here comes Pharaoh and his army. God gives them enough time to get in there. 
deuces, like, <laughs> they're drowning, gonzo, bye-bye. And so the Israelites are now free. And they're free, and what does God do with this freedom? He teaches them who he is, and he teaches them what it means to be his people. How does he do that? He gives them the Ten Commandments. And this story, as you read throughout the Bible, last year I read through the Bible in a year, and this story was coming up over and over again in the Old Testament and the Psalms and the prophets would go back to that. And then you get into the New Testament, it's brought back again, over and over again. 430 years of slavery, and then they are free. And so we hear this story all the time, and what is something that we can learn from this extremely familiar story? We see that God is a God of holistic redemption. When we see this story and we see it taking place, we see that the Israelites were in a place where they were being used as a cheap means to an end. And God had compassion on them. The Israelites had no land, but God was bringing them to a land filled with milk and honey. The Israelites were under harsh command that beat them with whips and then God takes them out of that and God would soon show the Israelites what it meant to be his people through his commandments. The Israelites were in a place where the children were being killed and God takes them in and he says, this is what it means to be my child. God took care of the whole need, the political, economical, the social needs, by freeing them out of Egypt. But he did that so that they would be his people. We see that God wants them to be his people because he gives them the commands. God cares about the whole person. And if God just cared about their souls, he could have just left them in their slavery, left them in the harsh conditions, and just said, hey, you need to ask for forgiveness of your sins, and you'll be fine with me eventually. You know, figure it out. And if he just cared about their physical needs, he would have freed them from their slavery and then let them be free to do whatever they want to do. Hey, you're out of Egypt now. Good luck. But God cared about the whole person. He freed them from the bondages of their physical, their physical, literally their physical bondages and the needs that they had. And he freed them from that. And he was bringing them into a land that took care of those needs. The needs of uh, milk and honey and the food and this land that they needed to live on. God provided that because he cared about the whole person. But he didn't just care about their physical needs. He also cared about their spiritual needs. He didn't just free them for the sake of freeing them. He freed them for the sake of being the people of God so that through them we go back to the promise of Abraham. You are going to be a blessing among the nations. And it is through you that the world will come to know 
who I am. And so when I free you out of Egypt, it's not so you are free to do whatever you want. You are now free to be my child and an example to the world of who I am by living in, through the Ten Commandments and through the law and through this, this relationship, this covenant relationship with me. And so the question is now, well, what's, what's the point of this sermon? And I'm just thinking, if, 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 if God cares about the whole person, then shouldn't we? God is about holistic redemption. To live into the kingdom of God by doing what God did in the Exodus. And we see that in the ministry of who? In the ministry of Jesus. Jesus cared for the whole person as well. Jesus fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He loved the poor and the rich. He taught anybody who would listen. And he, you would usually meet a physical need before he would show them their spiritual blindness. And he would meet the spiritual need as well. And by his life, his death and resurrection, Jesus ushered in this new kingdom of God. And I believe that God wants us to be a part of this kingdom. That he wants us to be about this holistic redemption where we care about the physical needs of people, where we care about their families, where we care about, you know, what, what they're doing on the weekends, where we ask those questions, where we give where we can, where we're helping them with their kids, as we're living life together. And as we're doing that, we're also meeting the spiritual needs. Hey, how have you been doing this week with those temptations you told me about? Hey, what's, what's your Bible reading look like? How are you in your relationship with God? And I think for, for some of us, we fall, it seems, into one or two camps. We can, be, we can be all about doing the nice things. Man, if I, just, if I, just, if I, if I live a really good life and I'm really nice, then people will just see how I am, and then they'll ask me about Jesus because I'm such a nice person. Maybe that will happen. That's never happened to me. Maybe I should be nicer. I don't know. And we're like, well, I do lots of good things. I give to the poor. I give, you know, food every week, and I do all these good things to help people with their physical needs. But when it comes to telling my friend about my relationship with Jesus, man, I just kind of keep shut. For others, I think we could be all about winning the soul that we forget that this person might not be able to hear the gospel because they're hungry. It's hard to hear about Jesus when you're hungry. It's hard to hear about Jesus when your family is a wreck. When you're in debt and you just need some help. We need to take time. I'm not saying that we just, you know, give. But I'm saying we need to take time to know who we are talking to. Jesus often met the physical need before he met the spiritual ones. 
Think about the great theologian Johnny Cash. He once said, We are so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. We have become about ourselves that we don't even see what God is wanting to do in this world. And I think sometimes we forget that God has ushered in this kingdom where he says, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Miracles were taking place and God was, Jesus was attributing to, hey, the kingdom of God is breaking in. Peter had to pay some taxes. And he said, well, go put your, you know, go catch a fish. And out came a coin from this fish. Whoa. He met the need. Amazing. And Jesus was preaching the gospel. And oftentimes the ones who were well off, he would He wouldn't go to their physical needs. He would point to their spiritual blindness. They were doing well. They didn't need any healing or anything like that. They needed to see who God was, that they were spiritually blind, and he would speak into that. So I don't know who you're talking to, but you got to get to know them and figure out, what is God telling me the greatest need is here? And I think we can often forget that this story of redemption is is not about it's not about us and i can tell my testimony and i can and i can talk about me and what god does in this personal relationship that i have with jesus and that's uber uber important absolutely but this is not about you it includes us It's not about us. This is about God and his kingdom and who he is and who he wants us to be. It includes us. It's not about us. I'm showing you that picture. Let's look at that again. Yes. I need a haircut. I don't know. I kind of like that. I was telling you about how we went paintballing paintballing for me that day or it wasn't for me but I got to be a part of it and you know I got this gift of those clothes very schnazzy and they were given to me but honestly that that day wasn't wasn't about me my friend uh, Galen there in the center he was about to marry uh, Justine his bride-to-be and so often I think this is kind of what we do we we take moments like this and we crop it and, hey, look at me. Look what God has done for me. This is all about me, 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 me. And really it's about what is God doing? The kingdom of God is at hand. This gospel is not about us. It's about God bringing the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Where The people's physical needs and spiritual needs are both being met and we're living under his authority and God is being worshipped. And yes, it included me, right? But that day wasn't about me, it was about those two. And yes, the gospel includes us, but it's not about us. It's about God and his kingdom and what he is doing in his son Jesus Christ. And he wants us to participate in it. And we do that by living 
under his lordship. I want you guys to ask yourself, what what does this look like for me? What does it look like for me to be a part of God's holistic mission? Are there some physical needs that you see that people might need? Maybe it's just relationship where you just need to spend more time with this family member or this friend where you see that they are going through a hard time and you just need to spend some time with them. Are they being spiritually blind and they're going down a path that you know is not right and you need to just open up their eyes and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. God has a better way for you. Our church, our church is is trying to meet all these needs. We have AA meetings. We have Sunday school. We have Meals on Wheels ministry. Kids discipleship group. One offering. And can you make it even more personal? What is God asking you to do? Not because it's about you, but because God wants you to participate in what He's doing in His kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you, God, that you hear our cry, that you see our circumstances, and that you care about it. And Lord, I I thank you, God, that you didn't just save us so that we could uh, be free to do whatever we want, but Lord, that you saved us and you freed us from sin so that we could be your children. And God, I thank you for what you have done in my life. But Lord, I I pray that, that we would not be so focused on ourselves, God, that we forget what the big picture is. That this gift of grace isn't just for us, but Lord, that you're wanting us to participate in your kingdom and and show the world who you are. And so, God, I pray that today, Lord, tonight, that you would speak to every heart in here. Lord, and that you would give an assignment tonight, Lord, like you gave Moses, Lord, a specific assignment of how you're going to use them, maybe this week, to meet the need And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't do it by our own power because we can't do anything without you. Lord, I pray that we would just be surrendered to you. And God, that we would remember what you told Moses, I am with you. May we be comforted in that. May we be empowered by that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for coming.